0: We at Around Grandfather Fire would like to express our solidarity for Black Lives Matter. We stand with you and every marginalized group that's seeking justice. On tonight's show, we'll be covering several topics that are triggering. So trigger warning for those who may need it.
1: Imagine yourself under a starry sky around the warm glow of the sacred fire, as your hosts Saren Odinson, Jim Two and Caitlin Stormbreaker talk about shamanism, animism, books, science, psychology, pop culture, and more. Welcome to a show inspired by those late-night conversations by real-life spiritual practitioners. Won't you come and join us around grandfather
0: fire? I call to the elemental directions, earth on which we sit or stand, who has produced so many bounties for us, including the very matter we are made of. You have provided the copper and the crystals, allowing all to hear my voice right now. Fire, the element of the sun, who grants us the fuel we need to grow and to grow others, the warmth, in our homes, and in our bodies, and the electricity empowering this communication. Air, the breath of life, the intellect and thoughts we share with each other, the element that carries the vibrations of our music and laughter and prayers. Water, the element of emotion which binds us all as beings of the salty sea and tides, allowing us to care for each other and yet be fluid enough to go around any challenge. Great elements, thank you for allowing us to come together and communicate through the ether so that we may share this moment in time together. Welcome everybody to episode 71 of Around Grandfather Fire. I am your host, Jim Two Snakes, and news for everybody, I'm on my own this week. Sarinth and Caitlin were not able to be here tonight, but I want to take a moment, if I could, and ask for some prayers and for some help. Essentially, I think of us as an ayu, and in the Peruvian traditions, an ayu has many meetings. It can incorporate everything from a family or a village, a community, a structure or, or, or job like fishermen or farmers. And I think of us as an AYU, all the listeners of this show, all our Patreon supporters. And so if I could ask for a moment, Sarah and Caitlin, could use some prayers. They're having some rough days today, as is Tammy and Brandon from our Discord server. And even our guest from the last episode, Seraph Gorgon-Savant has had some health issues. And most importantly, I think I want to extend prayers and love to Gwyn and all of Three Pagans and a Cat, one of our sister shows, because... Gwynn's mother is experiencing some health issues. So because we are an Ayu, and in the Peruvian traditions, an Ayu supports each other, I'm asking that we could all extend some prayers, light some candles, and put a good energy out there for all of us right now. There's a lot of people that are struggling, and I found, personally, that a lot of times the way to overcome our own personal challenges be to help others so i'm asking all of us to be that extended family and help each other out right now and i also want to take a little moment to talk about the heart walk foundation as you know my tradition is the caro tradition from the high mountains of peru and i received a message from the heart walk foundation that they are having essentially a massive crisis right now because coming in june is going to be their harvest being in the southern hemisphere And a late frost hit their potatoes pretty hard, and the majority of their calories come from potatoes. And so with this harvest, they're already doing some test harvesting, and things are coming essentially out of the ground rotten. So they're looking at massive amounts of food shortage this winter. And it's forcing them to consume a lot of their seed potatoes, which means come spring they're going to have nothing to plant. So, the charity I work with so much, the Heartwalk Foundation, heartwalkfoundation.org, has been raising some money and they really could use some help. They're trying to provide both sustenance for this winter and seed potatoes for the spring. And I'm not sure who from the show has already donated because I put out some messages on my various social medias Um, i know for sure that uh aaron known as driftwood daydreams on TikTok, shared a video that went kind of viral and from that some donations came in but i know on the list of donated already that are related to either myself or aaron are sarinth kai serena lucas sally in australia sarah jordan amelia shanae ivana And Adria, and we've raised over $300, but Heartwalk is going to need about $5,000 to cover the food deficit and the seed potatoes. So if I could encourage you all, please to go to heartwalkfoundation.org and make a donation. And then you'll get email updates on on what things are going on, what they've used the money for. You'll be able to see the faces of the people that you help. So I, I really appreciate that. And then... The last thing on my agenda tonight that I wanted to talk about before I introduce our our fantastic guests is I have been updating my website, uh, jimtwosnakes.net. And if you go there, the previous podcast that I had that Saren also participated in, it was a co-host for some of the run. And I think where we first got introduced to Caitlin a little bit, uh, the Jaguar and the old episodes are being uploaded to my website. You're going to be able to start finding those old episodes and I'll be putting together an episode guide if you want to go check those out. So I wanted to give you guys an update on that. Ah, that was a lot. (laughs) I appreciate you guys so much for sticking with me with that. That's, it's been challenging. You know, we had that uh, eclipse, the blood moon, we're heading towards the solstice. There's changes in the astrology. There's a lot of chaos in the air. People are kind of chomping at the bit a little bit to go out and become social and get out and about again. And so that's creating stress for people who can't. And uh, as you know, we have a very complicated world right now, which I think in some ways is why our guest tonight is so ideal. I was really looking forward to hearing his voice and his views tonight. I'm joined tonight by Vincent Higginbotham, who is the author of How Witchcraft Saved My Life, Practical Advice for Transformative Magic, published by Llewellyn, and it's a book with rituals and guides and meditations for how to get through transitional and transformative times in your life. And welcome to Around Grandfather Fire.
1: Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad to, to have you on, because like I said, there's so much going on with a lot of people right now. And especially as we're, we're hopefully in the end phases of the, the, uh, the Panera, <laughs> the, the um, you know, uh, hopefully uh, we're at the end phases that it just seems like there's a lot of stuff going on. So I'm really glad to find a book like yours out there. What gave you the inspiration to write it?
1: Um. So, my life. My life gave me the inspiration <laughs> to write it. I mean, it, um, basically, I mean, and every, have you read, have you had a chance to read it? I know that some I haven't, people haven't. I've have, only been doing okay. some
0: advanced copy pages in right. there.
1: Um, so, like, basically, the entire book, uh, each chapter starts with, uh, I don't know, scene isn't exactly the best word, but it's mm. a good enough word for the moment, um, from my life. And it's kind of, trauma like it's about my trauma so like trauma from childhood or trauma trauma from uh being a homeless teen or even just like being impoverished while going to college as a 20 something right wow and um and then it it dives into things that like had i known then how i could have used magic at the time if i knew then what i know now right and so it it I guess the whole point of the book, like what really kind of instigated me writing it is that I always knew that I was here to deliver a message. Like, I don't know if that sounds pompous or not, but like when I was a child, Hermes was like my dude. Right. And like, I don't even know why, like I was just really drawn to him. I was like full on into like Catholicism and I wanted to be a priest real bad. Um, And then I, um, straight away from that but throughout all of it like since I was a child I I always loved Hermes and I always knew I was a writer like when I was eight I was like I'm gonna be a writer when I grow up and so I think the two just kind of found their way to me because I was meant to be here now you know right but then part of that I think is that everything that I write is informed by trauma that I've gone through or my life in general because I think that too many people don't discuss the personal aspects of what makes them them does that I make agree. sense
0: yeah completely.
1: and so I, I just find like i mean i'm not the best the the most well-read um pagan or witch as it were but at the end of the day like what i have read you don't get a whole lot of personal story you might get like an ant- an antidote here or like a little something there mm. but what i what i think is really important for all witches is to know that they're not alone right right and right. and that was just kind of the goal like i think one of the first messages that i'm here to help people understand is that they're not alone and how many times in my life did i feel alone right like i mean oh my gosh like, yes. as like everyone, right? Everyone experiences mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this. So like as a homeless teen sleeping under a bridge or on a couch outside of a Goodwill, like that's very isolating and, and you know, um, lonely. And, and it taught me so much coming through that. Right, because like I'm my I'm my own best friend. Often I have no issues being alone because I learned how to deal with that and and learned that being alone is not the same as being lonely. But right. at the same time, like all of these moments where I really needed it, I didn't have anyone, and I just feel like I want other people to know that they're not in that alone. They're not the only ones going through those things. And yeah, there I feel is that. magic, yeah. And there is magic that you can use to, it's not going to fix it for you. It's not going to like magic, magically, um, like fix everything, but it can guide you to the place that you need to be to help yourself get you there. You know what I mean? Like magic will help you help yourself.
0: Exactly. I really feel that because it seems like, um, People of all levels, and, and this isn't just you know, like the, the homeless person, but even people who haven't experienced that exact kind of trauma, our society really breathes a certain kind of loneliness right now because everybody mm. thinks they've got to put on an image. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like you're saying, they don't share the personal stories as much.
1: Right. Well, we live in a society now that's driven by TikTok and Instagram and, yeah. <laughs> and Facebook and and like, you know, the Joneses over there are only showing their like good day at the beach or, you know, they're like nice family photo and we don't see that like the mom is a fucking bitch. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like, exactly. Like that's just... Step Eureka. Right. And not to say that like that's that's not directed at any mom or any woman, right? right? Because there's lots of great women. I'm a super feminist. However, like, you know, or the dad is a drunk, like you don't see these things on social media, you see these nice altars and, and these yep. like perfect setups and these super witchy pictures that are, that are well taken, right? It's beautiful mm-hmm. art, yeah. but yeah. art is not imitating life at this point. And life is definitely attempting to imitate art and we are failing. And I think that when we fail, nobody's saying, Hey, I fail too. And right. I am that guy who's like, I fail all the time. Like I fail every day. <laughs> I'm 40 years old and I only just got my first book out, you know, like, like, and that's, that's a testament to the fact that it doesn't matter. Like you're supposed to fail. It's about mm-hmm. standing back up and moving forward, like bruised and bloody, but moving forward. <laughs> well, I it's think, like, I mean, it's there's like something the Ten valid wands. there. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, I was just saying it's like the 10 of wands, but go ahead. Something valid there.
0: I, I, I was going to say there's something valid there about, uh, or a valid critique, I think, of being careful not to compare yourself to others. I think really that's the short form of what you're saying in some ways, because you just, you
1: never know what's going on behind closed doors for somebody else. At all. I mean, and that's just the, the point is that like we don't know what's going on behind closed doors, but like we also aren't showing people what's going on behind closed doors. So that's again, isolating. And once we allow ourselves to be isolated in those ways, we, we, Aren't aware that other people also have these things happening behind closed doors, and I'm like, let's kick the fucking door down. That's awesome. It just makes sense. <laughs> like, <laughs> who needs doors? I don't even have a bedroom door. I'm like, whatever, don't need that. So, it sounds like you had a
0: really interesting background with the homelessness and everything. How, how did you get started on
1: your path? What does your path look like so far? So like can you define what you mean by when you say path oh because like there's a not only not only that that the life events,
0: not but- only the life events but just kind of your spiritual path like mm-hmm. you said you started with a catholicism like how did that transition to where you're at now what's still incorporated yeah. and how does that coincide with like maybe some of the life events that happened around it so
1: okay like i was born in a very like um, waspy, like, I guess, I guess Catholicism isn't really wasp, but like, just, you know, white bread, Mm -hmm. like family Catholic, my mother's, uh, Italian. So like we're Roman Catholic and we were raised like that. And, um, and it was just like, go to church every Sunday and all of that. And so as a child, I was very, very attached to the whole church experience. I, I thought it was beautiful. Um, they say that I'm attention deficit. I say that I'm attention advantaged, but, um, like I didn't sit still as a child, unless we were in church, like it was the one place, you know, where I was able to reel it in. And it was just magic to me. Like church was magic to me. They did the bells when they like offered the Eucharist and the blood and all of this was very magical to me. So, um, and I really believed that like the bells were coming from heaven for a long time until I realized they weren't. And then I was like, whatever, I'm still buying it. And, um, and then like my parents divorced and I continued going to church on my own. I'd walk myself to church. I'd find my way and I'd go to church every Sunday. And, you know, like, I was all about going to confession and getting rid of sins because I felt very sinful because I always knew that there was something that I thought was, like, dark or wrong with me, right? And then um, I started realizing that the thing that was different about me, one of the plethora of things that, is, that are different about me at that time was my attraction to the same sex. So, like... I mean, I talk about it in the book and how, like, it kind of pulled me away from Catholicism. Mm-hmm. So long story short, that once I realized it wasn't okay to be gay, according to them, I was like, well, fuck that shit. Like, <laughs> like, I am who I am. And if there's anything consistent in my life is that I am honest to myself about who I am, 100%. So um, I stopped going to church. And right around the same time, I had a friend. I was in middle school. I had a friend who, um, her and her mom were practicing witches and they just started showing me stuff and they had all the, you know, this was like the nineties. So Mm -hmm. they had all the, um, silver Raven wolf books and all the Mm -hmm. Cunningham books and everything. So I dove in and read all of that. And I was like, well, this is interesting, but it doesn't, obviously I didn't, I didn't have the words for it at the time because I was a stupid child at that. But, um, like it just didn't resonate with me. And so in hindsight, I understand now that I don't like rules and I don't want rules to any of my spirituality, right? (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, I can understand that.
1: And so like it didn't really resonate with me. So I didn't dive in, but I wasn't completely closed off to it. And then around 15, I was out on my own, like living in like treatment centers and and boys' homes and um, youth shelters. And I was a homeless kid. Um, without a family. And uh, that progressed into being 18 and being a high school dropout and moving to Dallas, Texas, where I wanted to embrace the term witch and like wanted to dive into that. But then I was incredibly homeless. And you just, like, the important things are not spirituality when you're homeless. The important things right. are like smoking weed and eating food and finding a place to sleep because, like, you just need to obviously escape, but then also like, you know, the hierarchy of needs. Yeah. You have to take care of those
0: fundamentals.
1: Right. So like, I couldn't really dive into it. And then I, I guess I just kind of, I went through a lot of different stuff with like going back to Christianity at one point and like trying conversion therapy and all kinds of stuff, but none of it ever really felt right. And then I mean, I had a lot of suicide attempts and a lot of homelessness for like 10 years, which like I always look back and I'm like, this was the best part. Like that was so much fun and I would never change any of that. Um, like I don't regret it. I don't, I don't hate that it happened. I'm very thankful that I got to experience all of that. So then I don't know, like when I finally got myself stable after school, um, I started dabbling back in magic, but I wasn't reading about how to do it. I was just kind of like, this feels right to me. Let me do this. And like, mm-hmm. there were moments even in the Christianity where like, when I look back at it now, I was practicing magic and it was intuitive witchcraft. And so I'm like, Oh, okay. Like I'm practicing this stuff from my gut and from this like clear cognizant connection to the source, which I didn't understand at the time either. Right. Like it took a long time to get to this place, but um, ultimately in my thirties, I really developed, this sense of spirituality that didn't need rules. And then I called my power to me and called out the name Hecate, not knowing who she was. Like I was completely unaware. It was just in my head and out my mouth. It was, it was the most bizarre thing. And then I had this whole like moment with Hecate on a parking garage in a storm with tornadoes and, um, it's been nonstop ever since. I like, wow. like I think it was just a couple years later I got signed to write the book, and that's um, really interesting. Yeah, so like I mean, it was just like I was always led to this throughout my life. Like when you read the book, like every significant moment, every significant trauma was actually like legitimately helped out by a witch that was in my life. And it's kind of weird, but that's like how witchcraft saved my life because they were always there to kind of help me. You know oh, what I mean, or like something. show me yeah. something. Yeah. And then like, I picked up things from all of them and, and over 40 years, 30, let's call it 30 years of my life, I've pieced things together and understood. And now I'm much more well-read, like, because I actively seek out information because to know, right. But like, um, I didn't understand that so much of what I was doing was actually witchcraft anyway. And now that I know if I had, if I had known then I could have like put it into play and, and helped better. So I guess that answers your question. Yeah, yeah. I, I might go off on a tangent.
0: That's all right. I like tangents. I go on them all the time. So, <laughs> cool. can you can you give an example of like one of the times uh, someone helped you through one of those transition periods? Or oh yeah, uh, how that absolutely.
1: Looked like? I think that the most like significant one um, is I um, was living just outside of Charleston in a town called Somerville, and I was homeless. And I like I had alluded to this earlier. I was sleeping on a couch outside of a Goodwill. Um, it was like on the loading dock because it was donated, and it was comfortable and it was nice to like sleep out there. But then it rained one day, and it just started raining for like days. And like out here, especially in Charleston, South Carolina, um, it can do that. It can rain for days, especially like in the warmer season. And so I couldn't sleep on the couch. I was sleeping under a bridge, and I was done. I just I I I think I turned myself as feeling like I was the troll of Somerville. And, um, I was just desperate for release and escape. And I took my belt off and I was going to like asphyxiate myself. And, um, I like drilled a hole into the belt with like a stick or something and got it so that it would be tight enough. And as I started to black out, I I was very aware that this was not the way it was supposed to be. I took the belt off and I knew that I needed to get, uh, get out from underneath the bridge and, as if like magic, the rain started to let up. And I walked up the street to, there was a witchcraft store in Somerville, which coincidentally also did body piercing. And I had just gotten my septum pierced there like six months earlier. Don't ask me why I could afford to get my septum pierced, but couldn't afford to like live appropriately because, you know, priorities. But um, like I walked in there and I was talking to the owners and like, I was asking them if they had work because I needed to figure something out. They're like, no, we don't have work. Um, But like, you know, you can hang out here for a while. Like they saw that I was drenched. And as the rain stopped and I was talking to them and they were asking me about my life and and whatnot, I was talking to them and they were like, why don't you come home with us and you can sleep on our couch? And like, literally I went from like this suicide attempt to literal witches giving me a like shelter and getting me off of the streets. And so like, that's just one example of this very literal kind of like how witchcraft saved my life. But then also that like, that was a turning point. Like I could have let it go. I could, I'm sure that if I left the belt on, I would have stopped breathing. Like I was blacking out and I was like, I had that moment of clarity that it, it was like my clear cognizance was like, fuck no. And, and I stopped and I, and I left and I found them and, like, they rescued me, and I didn't live with them long, but, like, that led to the next step, which led to going to college after being a carny. And, um, I mean, it just, it, it everything led into the next step. Right. Wow, that's
0: amazing. That's really, wow. That was close <laughs> then, wasn't it?
1: I mean, mean, yeah. Like, and the book's full of things like that. Like, full of it. So, I you I heard you say you were thankful for those times
0: and yeah. Also, also you know we've already talked about how isolated a lot of people can feel with some of these challenges. So let's go ahead and presume that there's probably somebody out there, which there probably is someone that's struggling right now that might be there's
1: probably more close to that somebody. point.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what kind of words would you give them? How how should they seek out help or what could they do? You think to what uh, words of encouragement would you give them?
1: So I would say like, speak up. Um, I think that one of the, it's so hard to say that during a Mercury retrograde, but um, right. like, like I think that communicate, communicate what's going on, communicate what you're feeling. If, if you're feeling this way, talk to somebody. And if that one person doesn't help, talk to another person and keep talking, mm-hmm. talk to strangers, reach out to hotlines, like all of these things are are in place. There is a system in place to help people. And in my experience, that system can fail, but there is another system, a universal system that is set up to, to get you to that next step. And when you're at these crossroads, which like, it's interesting because just talking about it right now i realized these were all crossroads where like i was guided on the right path and then my deity is the a, a goddess of the crossroads but um like you're at a crossroads and you have to choose the right path and i guarantee you the right path is never to give up and it might feel like that's your only option and it might feel like that's, that's all you can do, but that's, it's not all you can do. And if you let the light through, if you pull back the curtains and you shout out the window until somebody listens, you can find the um, guidance that you need or the help where it's, it's present. It is present. The universe wants you to have it and it will guide you, but you have to put out the work also.
0: Yeah. I, that makes sense. I, you know, cause it, it occurs to me that, we in the pagan and witchcraft community tend to think of magic in a certain way, with spells and rituals and crystals and accompaniments. But there's a certain sort of magic to just stating your needs and, and putting that, that information out there. Because that, yeah. those people at that store wouldn't have made that
1: offer unless you weren't honest with, wealth, with what, what your needs were at that point. Right. Right. I mean, and so here's the thing when you're honest, when you're speaking your truth, you're speaking Mm -hmm. an intention, whether you realize it or not. Right. Because your truth is an intention. And if my truth is, Hey, I'm homeless and I want help or, or Hey, I'm in this struggle, then like that goes out and it's gonna like reflect off of people or things. And, and in some way that intention is going to fulfill itself the appropriate way because when you're telling somebody I need help, you're you're asking for help, like literally right. you're like putting it out there. Right. And and so like at some point somebody's going to help. But like I mean also you have to help yourself. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. that's also think- how magic works, right? Because if you're not yeah. doing the work. You're not going to get the results either. Oh, definitely. Because, I mean, just uh, recently I heard
0: about a, a, you know, it's a psychological study and it, it backs up a lot what is talked about in witchcraft. It's uh, the the mistake that is made is that by manifesting, you're, you're going to repeat a mantra until something manifests in the universe when the actuality mm. is what the mantras are going to do is give you a mental shift in order to mm-hmm. do the work that you need to do. It's going to keep right. you optimistic. It's going to keep you going. It's going to help you see opportunities you might not have seen before, but you've still got to put in the work. Um, but yeah, so don't give up. That's a great bit of advice because we all have struggles of various kinds. I and mean, we just mm. kind of have
1: to keep approaching them a new way and keep trying to move forward. I think that also the thing to remember is that just because your struggle doesn't look like my struggle, it doesn't make it less valid or more Uh, valid, right? Because I say this all the time in every interview, I say this, like trauma is relative. So Mm -hmm. like a child going through puberty can be just as much trauma as losing your mother just because like – how it is relative to one person is it's not going to be relative to another person. Right. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, if I lost my father right now who I'm not close to, and I don't really care about um, who was like not a good person in my life, that wouldn't affect me, but going through puberty, probably more than losing my father would. So like, it's just about like knowing that, that just because it doesn't look the same, it doesn't mean it doesn't feel the same. And and if you can recognize that much, you you know that everybody is experiencing the depths of sorrow that you are experiencing at some point.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Everybody's does look a little bit different, I think, too, and at least from my experience. Um, a lot of times the magical metaphysical communities tend to make it sound like the only trauma that's valid is childhood trauma too, where we experience trauma at all kinds of various points in our life. And those have to be addressed as well.
1: Right. Like divorce is trauma. Like Mm -hmm. I could be 50 Mm -hmm. and like my child could die, like all kinds of stuff. Like I don't ever want that to happen, but like, um, like, I mean, like trauma is not, does not have an age limit. At all. And um, maybe you know how to deal with trauma differently when you're an adult, but that's not necessarily true either. Right? Because, like, if you haven't had a trauma until your adulthood, like, maybe you had a really great childhood, and then you get into adulthood, and you're in college, and you're suddenly, like, sexually assaulted. Well, like, you've never been given the tools to deal with that. And so, like, no matter how great your life is, nothing has prepared you for for that kind of trauma. So like Mm -hmm. it's brand new and maybe somebody who has dealt with that multiple times in their life, they go through that later and they're like, I know how to make this stop. You know, they know how to battle it so that it doesn't happen. even, Right. And so it's just, everything's different. It's all relative. Do you feel like, um,
0: Oh, lost my train of thought there. I was going to say there's something or another about the fact that, uh, Oh, I know what it was. I think, is there a conception that trauma or or pain or whatever just goes away that isn't valid as well? I mean, is it is it it's it's a cycle, and for people, it's going to have different links or intermissions in there. I think that the it seems to me that, that a lot of times things come up and you'll be reminded of a trauma in the past. I don't think they ever right. just vanish. Oh, but I think yeah, you know what I mean?
1: like. Well so like you know in the witchcraft world we really like to talk about shadow work right and <laughs> yeah. like like obviously that didn't come from like ancient witches we don't know what came from ancient witches but like i mean at the end of the day that that started with like Carl Jung and and those psychologists and so like the whole idea behind shadow work is that it's never done. So that's what you're doing when you're dealing with trauma. Like your shadow work is informed by the traumas that you go through. And so, you know, if, if I tell my husband this all the time and, and just a little personal um, tidbit about me, uh, my husband and I are normally uh, pretty good, but you know, we fight because that's what normal, relationships are. And sometimes we fight and I stop and I'm like, wait, I'm actually triggered by this because of this. And it has nothing to do with you. But but your reaction to this reminds me of my, you know, stepmother's reaction to things. And then Mm -hmm. instantly I'm like this 12 year old boy who is fearful of being thrown down the stairs right now. And you've never thrown me down the stairs. You never would. But that 12 year old boy still lives in me and always will, no matter how well I've dealt with this, right? No matter how well I've, I've healed, that's always there. And part of the healing is being able to identify it. And so does trauma go away? No. Do we learn how to deal with our lives differently because we've dealt with our traumas? Absolutely. Because Mm -hmm. if I hadn't like learned to heal myself, then like I couldn't get through things like like a triggering moment with my husband or like my sister or, you know, at work even like I couldn't handle those things if I hadn't figured it out. And then even then I don't handle it every time. I fail. I fail all the time. Like constantly, Mm -hmm. like these triggered moments will not be clear to me. I could go for like two hours, three hours, throwing myself in front of like somebody's car so that they can't leave because I'm like, you're not going to abandon me right now. But like, I don't recognize why I'm doing it or, or any of that, you know? And so like, yeah, it's always there. Trauma is always there. And you have to learn to, I mean, you should always be actively trying to fix yourself, but you're not always going to. And if you fail to do it, that's okay too.
0: Yeah. I think, I think that's fantastic advice because we all fail at various times in our healing or recognizing something in us. And so like you can either learn from it or
1: beat yourself up about it. And only one of those is
0: going to be productive.
1: Right, right. I mean, like obviously, but like sometimes beating yourself up about it is the productive one. You oh, know, and an I mean, insight. like yeah, so like think about it though. Like if if you just learned from it, right? Mm-hmm. Like did you learn anything without beating yourself up? Like maybe you learned from it the fourth or fifth time, but beating yourself up the first three times is what helped you learn from it that fourth time. Right? Oh, and it. so sure. like if I if I like yell at my son for something that he ought not have done and then i realize that i'm acting like my stepmother or i'm acting like a parent that i don't want to be like maybe i need to feel that guilt
0: in oh, order sure. to get that lesson okay. later
1: right yeah. So i need to be able to beat myself up and i think that that's totally valid too um so, you have so to, i don't think you have it's to, it's have to one like, or the take other. yourself
0: accountable enough in order to feel yeah. enough guilt to actually change the behavior
1: yeah. I think that like, you don't gotcha. like maybe sometimes beating yourself up is how you learn the lesson.
0: That's an interesting and, uh,
1: insight. Well, yeah. But I mean, like we can't, we can't put rules on anything. We That's, have to understand the rules so that we <laughs> right. can break them. Yeah. Very
0: chaos magic approach to it. I like it.
1: I guess. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what kind of things are in the book? Like what kind of tools and techniques are you using for helping people figure this healing out?
1: So, um, the book is kind of split up into two parts. The first part is kind of, well, you know, like the basics, like, um, you know, understanding your clair senses and um, just kind of religious experience and mm-hmm. things like that, or like otherworldly worldly experiences um, and like, setting up boundaries, things like that. And then the second half of the book is really just about gratitude and what I call the four pillars of witchcraft. A lot of people term it as uh, the pyramid, but I don't think that it's one solid structure. I think it it is the main part of a solid structure, right? It holds a whole structure that is witchcraft up. And that would be the four pillars of to know, to dare, to will, and to keep silence. But... um I feel like in that it doesn't necessarily um, like to keep silence, for instance, isn't about not talking about your magic or not showing your magic. It's about shutting up and listening Mm -hmm. to what the fuck Mm -hmm. somebody else has to say Mm -hmm. or um, not giving all of the information because somebody's opinion could affect your magic too. Yeah. Right. So it's like mundane and magical stuff, and it's just kind of. I think that mostly what you find in the book more than anything else is that inner of the day. Like you can't have one without the other. Whether you're living a completely mundane life or not, there's still magic happening, and you might yeah. not realize it. But you're practicing, or maybe you're not practicing, but you're you're participating, whether you know you are or not. Um, And I think that that understanding that intersection and then understanding how to put both into work together in a cohesive kind of plan of action is the the one tool that the whole book teaches, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Wow, that's pretty exciting. Was it uh, a challenging process writing it at all? Because you had to probably dig up a lot of memories and that sort of thing. Does that Was that difficult process?
1: So, mm, I mean, yes and no. The, mm. the difficulty in the process was more about fitting what I needed into what would be a Llewellyn book, right? Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So, because at the end of the day, like when I went to my pitch – I was like, I want to write about how magic has affected my life. Mm -hmm. And I really just, I thought, oh, I should just write a whole memoir. Because, like, my whole life I've always loved um, memoirs and, like, really kind of, mm, like, gritty fiction. Like, um, Sure. I'm a big, excuse me, I'm a big fan of, like, Augustine Burroughs and David Sedaris and um, Chuck Palahniuk. And so I always like growing up kind of fancied myself like them. And then when I had this opportunity to go pitch my book, I thought, well, this is kind of the direction I want to go in. And this is the voice that I want to use. Like, I know my voice as a writer. Mm -hmm. Anyway, like the whole kind of process of writing wasn't the difficult part and bringing up those like past issues wasn't difficult. Mm -hmm. It was more figuring out how to take what I've learned throughout my life in witchcraft and magic and, and connect the dots. So like, because I mean, I had so much insight during this. So like the, the whole kind of process was more about me connecting to the source Mm -hmm. of all things and allowing it to speak through me to help me kind of open my eyes and open the gates and open the road and, and see how this trauma that I've experienced was also informed by or has informed the magic that I now understand. And that was the hardest part. Like, it's not hard for me to be raw or like talk about my life or anything. I'm, I'm like a piece of glass. I'm very transparent. Pretty much anyone that knows me knows that I don't hold water. Like, don't tell me secrets. Um. don't expect <laughs> me to like not tell you what I got you for Christmas like I'm really good about not telling my kids what I got them but I want my husband to open his present right away because I can't like hold on to <laughs> not telling and then and like the whole time I'm like dropping little hints or seeing if he knows like I just I don't I don't hide things well at all so this was just second nature writing that stuff Um. and I mean like Obviously tying in the magic and, and helping that flow correctly was the harder part. But at the end of the day, it, it really, it was very easy. And I, I was, I was actually surprised for myself how easy it was because I have tried to write other books. I have tried to sit down and like produce things and nothing has ever come out as easy as this came out. And like I was working a full-time job and like going to the gym then leaving the gym and sitting in my car on my phone and writing and then going oh, wow. to work and then coming out to my lunch break and writing and then going home and having a family life. And then I did this every day for like three months. I, I wrote my, my book on my phone. And oh, wow. that's
0: so mean, challenging and,
1: yeah, I, I mean like, I don't know if that's ne- necessarily true these days because you know, technology and I'm like the right generation that like I, I would rather use my phone for everything than a laptop. Um, and it wasn't until the very end where I needed to like kind of configure everything into Word and like format it that I actually took it to a computer. So like um it, it all came out in in stolen moments and and it happened in like three, four months, you know? So like um I've I've tried doing that with several different things and I've got like years on on books that I've worked on that are still nowhere near like <laughs> ever. I could not, I couldn't even show it to my best friend, let alone a publisher. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so like, I mean, this was the easiest thing I've ever written. And I mean, for good reason. Right. Because this is clearly that message that I was meant to present. Right. right? And it's meant to be done through spirituality. So obviously the gods
0: wanted that one out first.
1: I think that the gods wanted me to be <laughs> in this genre period. So I'm good with it. I'm okay with that.
0: That's awesome. I love that. How would you uh, describe your style of magic? Is it more minimalist or how, what are your rituals tend to look
1: like? That's so loaded. Um, like Podcasters love to ask loaded questions. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, I'm kind of known for asking them. <laughs> so I mean, like every time there's like at least one, like that's a good question though. I don't know. Like, and I know that that sounds weird. Like, I guess like people like to label themselves, but I don't know what kind of magic I I use because I mean, I definitely have things that I do. Like new moons are about like hectare and giving out offerings and resetting my altar or, um, you know, cleaning my altar and things like that. And full moons are often about, kind of hitting the whole spectrum. So I have those things down, but then like, I don't know, sometimes my magic includes the dead things that I find on the ground. And sometimes my magic includes just candles or like a honey jar. Like I have a honey jar spell and I don't know where I originally learned honey jar, but like what I understand about honey jar now is that that's like definitely falls under folk magic I think and um, probably like American like mm, I feel like I can be ostracized by calling it the wrong thing but like hoodoo voodoo things like that Like, Mm -hmm. like just kind of the folky the folkier kind of stuff so like maybe I'm a folk witch and maybe I'm a hedge witch and maybe I am like a fire witch like I don't I don't think I fall into anything but I would never call myself eclectic and not that I have a problem with the word eclectic or people who call themselves eclectic, but I don't think that I'm eclectic. I just think that I'm a witch. And sure. no, I make However, I however that. you tap into the magic is how you tap into the magic. And and not all magic calls for the same tap in. Right? Like this is true. so I don't I don't I don't think I can compartmentalize myself into anything. I think I use folk magic. I think I use high magic. I think think i use it all and i think that all witches have the right to and if you don't want to that's fine because nobody can tell you how to do it but at the end of the day like if it's right for you you know it's right for you and that's all that really matters
0: so let me ask another loaded one maybe Um, okay good (laughs) (laughs) is there anything that you wish that you had been able to include in the book that you couldn't
1: Everything, like, <laughs> like, yeah, of course, of course. Like, you only get like, like, you get between sixty and like a hundred and ten thousand words, I think. Mm-hmm. And how do you fit everything into that? I think that when I turned it in, it was like seventy five thousand words or something like that. And I felt, I felt good. I felt like, hey, I told this thing. But then after the fact, I'm like, oh, I have all this other stuff to tell. And so I have. I'm working on my second book now, and um. I have a plan for my third book. And then I was riding my bike with my husband the other day and I looked at him and I was like, I just decided what my fourth book is going to be about. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's just that's how it goes. So like you think about things and you're like, oh, this should be a whole book, you know, and maybe you you think it because you were like, oh, man, I wish I had said that in the book. Well, it wasn't right for that book because at the end of the day, the, the source provided what was right. And now I have more content to write. So it's totally worth it.
0: Have you ever read any, like, uh, when you were trying to go through a lot of these transitions, you ever read a lot of, like, self-help books or more of the new age authors or anything like that?
1: Um, I have read very little of that. Um, I've read The Four Agreements, Mm -hmm. which it was a pretty cool book. Um, I've read some Deepak Chopra not much. I couldn't get into it. The Tao of Pooh was probably the most um, life-changing book I've ever read. Oh, so, really? like, yeah, I mean, The Tao of Pooh really changed my life completely, and I think that that's, that's self-help. Um, yeah, And, like, it it totally shaped my view of the world because everybody is a character from Pooh's Corner. Like, everybody is is at least a character <laughs> like... Archetype from Pooh's Corner. Like, you have Kangas and you have Eeyore's and you have Pooh Bears and you have rabbits. Like, I mean, everyone, everyone in the world fits into one of these archetypes. And reading the Tao of Pooh is is what got (laughs) me there. And then, like, that allows me to meet people where they are. So it changed how I interact with people. So I guess that that would be self help. But, like, um, I read the something about solitude, like the power of solitude or something like that, when um, I was 18 and I hated it and it didn't make any sense. But in hindsight, when I look at it, I'm like, oh, this is so powerful, you know? So, like, some of the things that I've read in my life didn't relate until much later. And then I'm like, oh, I should read that again. And I haven't. So, But, yeah, I mean, like, I haven't read a whole lot of self-help.
0: No, I was wondering because I'm curious because the, uh, you know, we talked about a little bit about like that positivity and manifesting, and that's something that is a lot more with the new wage circles and self help stuff. And I, yeah. I gotta admit, it drives me a little bit flipping crazy because I don't think it works worth a damn.
1: <laughs> I think there you are all, things.
0: I think know, there are I, things
1: that work. You think there's elements of it that are helpful? Yeah, I mean, like just like everything, right? Like I think that I think that there are. I mean, again, I think it's perspective. Like perspective is reality, right? Like what you perceive is your reality. And and there's no way that I would ever be able to convince you otherwise. Only you could get yourself there. I could show it. I could explain it to you. I could, I could give you my perspective and that might alter your perspective. But without me altering your perspective, it's still your reality, right? Sure. And so I think that for some people, self-help i mean i don't know like chicken soup for the soul like really helps my aunt and she loves it and lives <laughs> by it you know and like like i guess there's this book called the seven people you meet and have it. my aunt is super catholic oh, she's yeah, like a yeah. deacon and um so she really loves these self-help books and mitch she has album. this um sorry
0: <laughs> mitch album that's the author sorry oh, i'm yeah. in michigan so he's detroit so I oh, know okay name.
1: i got you um so yeah like i had no idea um but like you know i think that it's all about like where a person's at like maybe yeah. maybe you are the right archetype that it doesn't work or you could never perceive it working but like my aunt on the other hand is the right archetype that like she learns how to deal with people because of it right and so like sure. and i mean if you met this woman you'd think she was a saint And I mean, like anyone would say this, like she's this great person and she has her troubles and she has her traumas, but you wouldn't know it. And it's not that she's hiding it. She'll tell you all about it. But like, you just wouldn't know it from her actions because she's not jaded by it. And she reads a lot of those kind of books. So like, I think that they help some people. I would never say anything is like an absolute. I don't think there is a such thing as an absolute. The only absolute is that there isn't any, let's say that.
0: That's fair. I just think some of them they drive me a little crazy because I oh they, I mean I'm right like, on board uh, you with know you. <laughs> it's you know sugar water is not going to help the situation so what I feel about right. some of them but you know
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean I I fully agree with you like I um I can't get through a self help book but at the same time I think that my book is kind of I think it could be like viewed as a self help book it's definitely mm-hmm. listed as self improvement on like Lou Ellen identified it as this like I don't think they call it exactly self-help, but um, self-improvement, self-betterment is like one yeah. of its listings on Amazon and everything. So it, like, it
0: makes sense because uh, you know a lot. I think that's a di- identifying a real need because there's a lot of books that talk about some of the basics and that sort of thing. But um, it, in my opinion, just looking at the the pagan and witchcraft communities, especially with younger people, a lot of them are being attracted to paganism and witchcraft because. It offers some way of getting control over your universe. Right. right. So a lot of people are coming from various forms of trauma, whether it be family, school, whatever, identification. And and they're looking for ways to bring some control to their world. So I think there's a definite need out there for it.
1: Oh, yeah. I think that, like, I mean everybody wants control in their world. And I think that a lot of people that are drawn to witchcraft are not doing it out of, you know, um, out of fun. I mean, I don't think that you just are like, oh, I'm going to be a witch because it's cool. I mean, maybe, but like, really, it's about trying to take control. Like, you are using it. it like, I think that magic comes out of a necessity. Mm-hmm. And like... Just like your mantras set your mind, your magic sets your mind, right? So, like, you've done this road opener spell, per se, and and then you're able to visualize the road opening in front of you and the gate breaking down, and then you have, like, that confidence to move forward on your goal. And I think that magic helps you get there. I mean, it clearly didn't actually open the road. The road was open, like... Like, what road can't be traveled down in some way? You just got to figure out how to travel down it. Do you get out of your fucking car and walk? Or do you, <laughs> right. like, need a boat? Like, what do you need right now? Do you need to build a bridge? Like, there's there's always a way, pass and impasse. There's no impasse. And, I mean... Maybe that's an absolute there there might be impasses, so let's not say that, but I think that impasses only have to do with other people, and so like what witchcraft is doing is trying to get through those impasses, trying to figure out, do I build a bridge, do I get on a boat do I walk like and I think that everybody needs that
0: yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense I think
1: that, like I said, I think there's a big demand for it,
0: just because yeah it just well, seems hopefully like, it does seem like there's a It's a, it's a avenue that I haven't seen a lot of books addressing. So I really appreciate the fact that you went out of your way to do so. So
1: that's really awesome. Yeah. I mean, like it was definitely a goal upon writing it to like do something that's not done or that I wasn't aware of anyway, who knows? It might be done. None of us have read every book, right? That's for sure.
0: So how can people find you? What's the, before we run out of time here, I want to make sure that I,
1: I give you a chance to have people find you and find your work. Okay. Um, so the best way to find me is on Instagram. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Vincent underscore Higginbotham. That name's hard for a lot of people. So it's H I G G I N B O T H A M. Um, and like pretty much everything I do is on Instagram. Um, and, and then kind of share it on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. I think you can just type in my name to find me on Twitter, but, I'm more of a stalker on Twitter than I am a poster. (laughs) I mean, I do post if something's relevant. um, Where's my angry space? I will not do that. I refuse. (laughs) If I want to yell at
0: a corporation, that's where I go is to Twitter.
1: That's so funny. I'm like, I get on Twitter and like, if I see somebody being like shitty, I might be like, I don't know, maybe that's not the way it is. You know, like I just try to be the other perspective, but really I just use it to let people know what's going on. But Instagram, more than anything, because I, I have a background in design, so I really like to make pictures and reels and things like that. Um, awesome. It's like my happy time. Yeah. So I, I find a way to make it all multimedia through Instagram. And um, the the business that I'm aligning myself with, um, which is Witch With Me, uh, it's like a witchcraft community. Co-founder uh, Meg Rosenbrier and uh, Louisa kind of I'm such an asshole for not knowing her last name right off the bat. But um, they made this really great community that's offshooting into Witch with Books. And um, I am helping start the Witch with Books uh, community book club. So that's a real big thing. We're actually reading um, Guion Raven and Phoenix LeFay's uh, oh, Life cool. Ritualized. Yeah. And then for June. And then we're also reading in June, we're reading um, Intuitive Witchcraft. And people nice. can choose to read one or both of those books. Um, and it, it's got a lot of like nice little treats, like um, like author-created PDFs that go along with the book that you're not going to get anywhere else. Um, interaction with the authors at the end. Interactions with me and Meg throughout. Um, lots of really great stuff. So like That's you awesome. can find me there as well. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, basically Instagram, either my name, Vincent underscore hang about them, or you can probably find me through which with books also, because I'm on there a lot too. I, I help with that Instagram page as well as the book club. That's
0: cool. And your, your books available everywhere through Llewellyn. So
1: yeah, my books available everywhere. Like you can, lit, I tell everyone on every podcast, I say either go through Llewellyn or um, go to your local witchy shop. I'm all about supporting like the witchy yep. shops. So go to your witchy shop and ask them to carry it because they will order it for you. Um, even if they only order like their minimum amount, like it'll sell also, I think, I hope, fingers crossed. But like, I, I think go to your witchy store and ask them to carry it is is going to be a great way to do it. And they might already have it. Um, but Llewellyn's a really great Avenue as well. And on my Instagram, there's links to, I have a link tree with links to anything else that I'm doing. It, and it that includes me, an Amazon thing.
0: Seems to me that this is the type of book where if your local witchy shop hasn't heard of it, as soon as they do, that's going to be one they're probably going to want to have on their shelves because let's face well, it. I, it, I think that, like I I I said, Thank you
1: for saying that. Yeah. I thank <laughs> you for saying that. I, I would, I would be remiss to feel that way myself. I try to take my ego out of everything, especially in this realm. And let me just tell you, like my husband will be the first person to tell you that my ego is not the first thing I take out of everything. <laughs> when, it comes to, when it comes to my spirituality and my writing, my ego is not involved. And I think that that's how it should be. So I would never say, oh yeah, every book will want it. But like, I mean, I would hope, yeah. Like I want them to want it. That would be ideal. Significant others
0: are great for uh, grounding us that way. Sometimes, oh yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, listen. So I'm I'm just really quickly. I'm a fire sign, and like through and through, like so much of my chart is like fire signs. My rising, my moon, and my um, sun sign are all like. Key fire signs. And then my husband is the complete opposite. He's all water signs. And it's fucking weird. Like I just <laughs> maintain cancers, specifically cancers in my life because they all just <laughs> knock me down. I'm like this fly buzzing around like crazy. And they're like, nope. And they just knock me down to ground. So I it I, clearly That's I awesome. need that in my life.
0: See, I'm a cancer, but I'm the outgoing one because I got the Taurus moon. So it's my significant other. She keeps me in check. (laughs) The Virgo comes in and says, no, this is what we're doing.
1: (laughs) There you go. There
0: you go. (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining me tonight. I really appreciate it. This was a great interview. And uh, hopefully you can join us again sometime. So You can meet the co-host.
1: Yeah, you know how to get me. Reach out. I'm always willing. I'm very happy to do it. Well, thank
0: you for joining me. Thank you to all our listeners. And thank you for everybody that's helping support Heart Walk Foundation and and do all those charitable acts. And uh, we'll talk to you next time around the fire.